Hey, everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad you tuned into the broadcast today. We're going to get into the Word of God together once again today because that's what this ministry is all about. That's what this broadcast is all about is getting God's Word into your life because faith comes when you hear the Word. Courage and confidence and trust rises on the inside of you when you hear the Word. And that step you've been afraid to take, when faith comes, that courage to take it is there. And I'm encouraging you today to take that step of faith. Whatever it is God's calling you and equipping you to do, step out in it by faith. And I am living testimony. My wife, Sarah, and I, our family, this church and this ministry, we are all living proof that when you take a step of faith, God honors that. And it's like an open window of heaven above you. And he pours out everything you need to do all that he's called you to do. That's what this, this very room that I'm standing in is all about. This is the sanctuary here at Legacy Church, Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. And if you've been watching the broadcast over the last number of weeks, you know what a big deal this is because for months and months, we've been pressing towards this together as partners in faith, believing God, sowing into this project. And look, our faith has become sight. I'm standing in this sanctuary. And as of now, we are open, having services, welcoming people, and we thank God for the good things, the good work that he's done, the great things he's doing, and the greater things that are yet to come, not just in this house, but in your house. And you need to be saying that all the time. And especially if you're sowing into this house, that, that seed sown from a heart of faith, sown from a heart of love and willingness, that causes God to see it and to receive it. And when he does, then the windows of heaven are opened above you and there comes a blessing poured out so much, so rich, so strong that there's not room enough to contain it. We believe that. We have seen it in our own lives and we believe, God, you're seeing it in your life too. If you want to sow into this today, whether into this project or the general operations of our ministry, whatever the Lord would have you do, you can do that a number of different ways. If you're watching inside the United States, you can uh, text your offering. Just text LTV and any dollar amount to the number 28950. If you'd like to give online, you can do that at pearsonsministries.com. Or if you're writing a check, make it payable to Pearson's Ministries. Use the address that you see on your screen. Come on, let's get back into the Word of God together today. We've been talking about the rise of the reverence of God in our lives and how God sees that as an open door to go to work in our lives. You want God to be more real to you than He's ever been before? Then honor Him today. Reverence Him today. Give Him the attention that He deserves. Let's watch this and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. But chapter 10, verse 1 says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, the ones who just a chapter or two before, God had said, separate, anoint them, put them in this office, gave them a place of leadership. What'd they do? In response to all this fire, it says, Each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, notice this last line, which he had not commanded. What's happening? Somebody's taking ownership. Somebody's feeling some liberty, right? Somebody's capitalizing on the moment. Man, 
Look, we got God in this place today. The fire's coming and the offering's been consumed. And you know what? Here, let's do this. Get your censer. I'll get mine. We'll go put some fire in it, right? And we'll put some incense on it. What is incense? Just something that smells good. And I don't know, maybe all the bull guts and ram guts when you set them on fire, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't smell that good. I can only imagine. Now, we know from Scripture it's a sweet-smelling aroma to God, but maybe this day it's like, man, that's rough. You know what we should do? We should get some of that fire, but we can improve on this. We can improve on this. We can improve on what God said to do. So what'd they do? They went and got those censers, put some fire in it, put some incense in it. God had not commanded that. I want you to notice the result. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So evidently, that's what those two boys didn't do. By straying from the word of the Lord, by going and trying to improve on this, by not treating his word as a command, but by taking liberty and taking so-called ownership, the Lord spoke and said, what they didn't do, they didn't sanctify me in the eyes of the people. He said, by anybody who comes near me, I must be regarded as holy. What else did he say? Before all the people, I must be glorified. Now, I'm for one, I'm thankful we're not seeing these kinds of things happen too much in church services where people just are consumed by the fire of God. However, the book of Hebrews does say that you and I are to serve God with fear. And, and a, a, with a reverence and a godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. And that's New Testament. That word consuming is the exact same word devouring. And oftentimes we think of that, that as a purely negative thing, a consuming, a devouring fire. But there are some things you want the fire to burn up. There are some things you need the fire to burn up. When the sun came up this morning, I was sitting in the living room and I'm looking at the frost on the, on the trees and the snow beginning to fall. I said, this is a good morning for a fire. I went down, grabbed some wood, started a fire nice and cozy. But you know what? That fire never would have come into existence if I hadn't given it something to burn up. That devoured that wood. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But we're instructed to serve God with reverence and a godly fear because he is a consuming fire. And what they found out that day is that you can obey God and not love him, but you cannot love him and not obey him. You can obey God without loving Him. 
be so afraid and terrified of him that if he tells me to do something and I don't do it, man, fire's coming down and going to eat me up. But that's not the right motivation. But on the other hand, you cannot love him without obeying him. Last scripture. Look at this with me in John chapter 14. I feel like you need a little New Testament here. Will this help you out a little bit? In John chapter 14, let's look at something Jesus said. Beginning in verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Listen to it from the Amplified Bible. He said, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commands. Verse 21, Jesus said, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him. Our obedience is not to be done out of terror of God. Not that kind of fear, but we obey because we love. Jesus said, if you love me, the proof of that love will be in your obedience to what? My commands. What did Moses do? Moses did as the Lord commanded him. That's you and I hearing the voice of Jesus either through his word or by his spirit and elevating that to the level of a command. Not a suggestion, not a recommendation, not open to interpretation. A command. He said, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Like I said to you a moment ago, you can't love him and not obey him. If you say you love God and you never do anything he tells you to do, you're either kidding yourself or flat out lying. Because you can obey him without loving him, but you cannot love him without obeying him. The one who has my commands, the one who really loves me and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him. Now notice what's connected to this and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him. What did Jesus say? I will make myself real. You already told me just a few minutes ago that you believed he could be more real to you today than he was yesterday, than he was in time past. How do you experience greater degrees of the reality of Jesus, the reality of the presence of God in your life? I'm talking about God, not in theory, God, not in tradition, God, not in somebody else's words or their experience. I'm talking about God in real life, God in your life. God really in your life. You experiencing him, you hearing from him, him manifesting himself to you. What else, what else would we want? Huh? Tell me what could not be fixed and changed and saved forever by a manifestation of Jesus. Huh? 
What, what sickness in your body would not be fixed like that by a manifestation of Jesus, the healer? There's not one. There's nothing. There's no lack that can't be supplied. There's no need that can't be met by a manifestation of Jesus. And just so we're clear, I'm coming to church every Sunday from now until the next 30 years or so expecting this, believing for this, desiring this right here. What? A manifestation of Jesus. I am not content. I am not satisfied with you coming into this place, hearing a few things I or Sarah have to say and going home unchanged, unaffected because there was no manifestation of Jesus. This is what we want. This is what we desire. This is what we're after. This is what we're hungry for. How do we get it? Huh? How do we get it? Obedience. Obedience. You take what he says and you do it. I told you, I told you there'd be one thing that you could take. And if you'd hear it as truth, if you'd believe it and you'd apply it, it would open the door to greater degrees of the manifestation of God in your life. You want to know what it is? Do what he says. Do what he says to do. Now, do you think we could have these kind of manifestations in this service? If the Lord said, do one thing, and Sarah and I decide to do something else. If we take ownership, if we take liberty with the instructions and the commands of God, do we have any right or reason to expect the manifestation of his presence in here? Not one. And you would agree with that. I mean, we're leaders and pastors of a church. Yeah, you should hear from God. Yeah, you should do what he says. What about you, baby? What about you tomorrow morning? Huh? What about you on a Wednesday afternoon? What about you when you're making decisions about your finances, about your ministry, your family, whatever it is? Do you have the same responsibility I do to hear from him and do it? Yes, you do. And if you don't, if you choose not to, then you have no right, you have no reason to expect a greater degree of the manifestation of Jesus in your life. But if you do, if you treat his words like commands, then here's his promise. I'll, I'll love you. I'll show myself to you. I'll reveal and manifest myself to you. I will let myself be clearly seen by you and make myself real to you. How many of you know that on that day in front of that tabernacle, nobody was on the fence about the existence of God? Nobody saw that fire consume that offering and go and said, I'm still not convinced that there's a God. He became very, very real to them that day. Do you believe there's some things we can experience in our services that would make God real to you? Do you believe that there's some things that could happen in here that somebody could come on, come in off the street on the fence, undecided, I don't know about this God thing. And yet they encounter him in such a real way that they leave this place marked and changed forever and never again question the reality and the existence of a good and loving God. We can have some of that. We can have that in here, but it is going to require hearing his word, treating it like a command, doing what he said to do with precision, with attention to every detail, this is the fear of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Somebody tell me what the next word is. Anybody know? Honor. Honor your father and mother. Do you notice what's connected to obedience? Honor. Honor your father and mother. And it will go well with you. This is the first commandment. The first what? Commandment with a promise. There was a promise attached to that. Honor is obedience, or excuse me, obedience is honor, and the promise attached to it is prosperity. It will go well with you. Well, if obedience is honor, what is disobedience? It's dishonor. And I want to just give you this last statement that I think is going to help sort of maybe open your understanding to what true obedience really is. If I was to say to you, obeying God is what? You might say, well, it's doing what God said. And that's true. But let me add a word to that statement that I think is going to help. Obedience, obeying God, is not just doing what God said to do. It's doing only what God said to do. Not adding anything to it. Not putting incense on your own fire. Huh? It's doing only. What did Jesus say? I do only those things that I see my Father do. I say only those things that I hear my Father say. Nobody said anything that day about incense and getting some fire in your own censer. God didn't command that. Well, God, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to be a part of what's going on here. You know, we got this big fire going on and I just thought it could be cool. I thought it would be great if I added, well, if you did what? Added to it? No, listen, it was perfect when it came out. We don't have to add to it. And I've been in some church services. I know maybe some of you have too. And it showcases people's propensity to want to add to something that's going on, right? When, when the presence of the Lord falls in a place and it's just quiet and everybody's standing in reverence and in awe. And somebody about halfway back goes, oh, I should prophesy. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with prophecy. But if you're saying something, when the moment requires silence, then you're adding something that he didn't tell you to add. And I've experienced it. You've experienced it. Those people really experienced it that day. What do you think happened to church that day? We got this great move of God, this great manifestation of God. And oh, look, Aaron's boys just died. It put an end to the manifestation. It put an end to the move because somebody wanted to add something to what was going on. I was reading about this last night. Remember when Jesus took was it Peter, James, and John up on the mountain? And he went away and he prayed. And all of a sudden, he became transfigured. And his clothes began to shine. And his face began to shine. And they looked up. Peter and the boys looked up. They, one uh, account says they were sleeping. This whole thing woke them up. And they look and there's Jesus. But then there's Moses and there's Elijah. And they're talking with him. And the Bible says, Peter answered. Which I think is funny because nobody said anything to him. <laughs> He just piped up in the middle of it. Peter's piping up quite a bit if you look throughout the scriptures. But there's this great, miraculous, how do you even put words around what they're seeing? 
something nobody's ever seen before. And here stands Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus and he's shining like he's plugged in. And Peter's like, man, I got to say something. Uh, 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 Jesus, it, it, it's good that we're here because you know what I could do is we could build these little tabernacles, right? And we'll build one for you and we'll build one for Elijah and we'll build one for Moses. And the Bible said this, he said, because he didn't know what to say. <laughs> and you know what happened? A voice came out of heaven. And a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my son, hear him. In other words, shut up and listen. And you know what happened? Moses and Elijah were gone. The whole thing was over. Now, I don't know if that's because the time was up and they needed to go. They had places to be. Or if Peter put an end to that whole thing by speaking up and adding something that nobody said. God didn't say anything about tabernacles. I didn't say you build a tabernacle. You have never wasted time like you do doing things he didn't tell you to do. And he's trying to add something to this move of God, to this manifestation of God. And when we do that, whether we realize it or recognize it or not, we're being too casual. We're taking ownership of something that's not ours to own. I can't tell you how many services I've been in where the presence of God was sweet and all of a sudden somebody thought, this is an excellent time for me to blow this shofar that I brought with me. <laughs> you know what that is, that big ram? Song? No, I'm not saying there's something necessarily wrong with that unless it's not the right time for it. And there's one way to identify, I believe, how, how to know the right time. And if, if Nadab and Abihu had just simply asked this question, they probably would have lived beyond that day. Just ask yourself, will what I'm about to say or do draw attention to me or will it keep attention on him? That was the big problem with what they did that day. God's doing this thing and they wanted in on it and it drew attention to them. Ask yourself, is what I'm about to do going to keep the attention on Jesus or, or is it going to make heads turn and look at me? And any time that attention is pulled away from him onto you or even onto me or anybody in this pulpit, God can't continue to manifest in that. He said, I must be regarded as holy by anybody who comes near me. I can't share this glory. By anybody who comes here, I must be sanctified in the eyes of the people. These moments of the manifestation of God, these are not moments to be capitalized on. As a minister, as a pastor, I'd be guilty before God if we've got this outstanding move of the Spirit of God in here and people are being saved and healed and delivered. And I thought, you know, you know what I need to do? Receive an offering. It happens. It happens. Is there something wrong with an offering? No, unless he didn't say anything about an offering. Then an offering's the wrong thing to do. How do we love God? Obey. And it opens the door to the manifestation of his presence in our lives. Would you stand up? Hey, 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.